Who would be a Wolves fan, eh? On goes Wolves. Steve might yet win it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. What a goal! Hello everybody, welcome to Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this, if not live, and welcome to our live viewers and listeners across YouTube and Twitter. Gentlemen, I'm joined by Defoe and Stu. Good evening, how are we? Good evening, very well. We can finally uh, come in here and have a, a few smiles. <laughs> First time in a while. It's really... Two two wins in four compared to two wins in 22 beforehand. <laughs> Mad, isn't it? Um, first things first, Jafo, you are looking like a sexy beast, I must say. What a, transfer, <laughs> what a, Cheers, tra- what a, what a transformation, I must say. Well I'm, done, mate. Imagine what a haircut does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, speaking of transformations, Wolves uh, were, of course, 1-0 winners uh, yesterday over West Ham United. And turn of fortune at a time where everybody kind of played each other. And it was really vital that Wolves came away with the three points, which in, obviously they did. Have a quick look at the pre-match squads. Now, normally we talk about the squad and talk about who uh, you know was going to feature. But let's, for a second, talk about someone who was only noticeable by their absence. And that is... Goncalo Guedes. Stu, left out of the squad for tactical reasons. Is that tactical reason because he's shite or is it because uh, he just no longer fits into the plans? What were your thoughts when you saw that he'd been left out of the squad? Praise the Lord, it's happened at last. That's what I was thinking. Uh, I think, uh, thank God he's gone. Um, And as soon as it started coming out that he's not injured, he's been left out on purpose. Oh, yes, finally, someone's seen through the absolute fraud that is Gonzalo Guedes after four years of this shit, ever since we were linked with him, but as soon as we got promoted, and I, I vehemently on here said, no, do not do this, he's awful, and then, lo and behold, it happens, and then, vindication at last, we've seen what a terrible nonsense he is, and hopefully, this does mean that he's out the door, and we don't see him ever again. But, I mean, it was a pretty a pretty penny that we paid for him. Jafo, from your point of view, if he is to leave, and, and you know, I doubt we'll make the money, any, any money back that we'd have spent on him, um, is it, uh, you know, an opportunity lost, or is it just one of these, sometimes you roll the dice and it just doesn't pay off? It, it does feel like we've, we've rolled the dice a little bit with it. And like Stu says, it's been four years in the making, and, and it, it kind of feels pushed and forced. And... You know, it doesn't seem like he even want to. He doesn't want to be for the club. You know, the attitude just doesn't seem to be there. Like from when, compared to like Cunha and people like this, you know, you can see the positivity in them. And for, I mean, for what it's worth, I didn't. I didn't even realise he wasn't on the bench until <laughs> until they until they uh, they started playing. I was like, oh yeah, he's not there. I was waiting for it to warm up, and I was just I was like, oh yeah, Gadez isn't there. That says says enough about his performances this season in a Wolves shirt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, going back to the uh, to the squad that did play there, um, Cunha obviously making a start. Um, looks more or less, I feel like, the side that most people wanted and expected to see. I think even even the most optimistic of uh, Wolves fans wouldn't have expected Lamina to start. Stu, from your point of view, was the start in eleven pretty much what you expected? Yeah, I, th- I think the only one... That- that I was a bit surprised at was um, Collins and Kilman playing together. Since we've had a kind of a Toti's kind of little cameo appearance with either of them, um, mm. and I thought, well, he's he's done nothing wrong. And up until this game, they it seemed to be it's one or the other and someone else rather yeah. than together, like the old Lampard Gerard situation. Um, but obviously, they were both imperious for this game. <laughs> They were completely justified to be being played together. Um, but yeah, that was that was it. I mean, the, until the new guys come in, we kind of stuck with what we've got, really. And mm. it's like we've said for a while, it's all a bit of much of a muchness. But as you get on to it, I mean, fair play to certain players who stepped up massively. Um, yeah. 
I, mean, I, I said in the week that I, I would have played Lebekisa in this game because of how bad Samado had been playing and he mm. looked kind of bereft of any confidence whatsoever and then pulls out that performance out of nowhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're going to get on to individual performances uh, very shortly. First of all, if there's anybody that you'd have played any differently um, within the uh, starting 11, then please let us know in the comments and we'll um, we'll get them uh, on the screen. And any comments throughout the show, uh, we are very comment uh, friendly over here. So uh, if you're wanting to get your point across, if you want to disagree with anything that we've said, because Christ, we uh, do have some stinkers of opinions on this podcast. I don't know where Stu is actually on your screen. But he's, <laughs> he's there on mine. Uh, right. So the game, um, you know, as, as it went on, it felt like it was a game of few chances. I don't know how you guys felt, but it, it, it felt like we had all of the ball but it was only going to take one West Ham chance for them to score. I felt it was a bit nervy, a bit edgy at first, but I feel, feel like Wolves massively grew into the game. And then that little magic man, Podent, scored another goal for Wolves. Took his goal really well. Jafo, what were you thinking, you know, when we went 1-0 up? Was it deserved at the time? Did you think we were riding our luck? How did you feel when we finally broke the deadlock? Yeah, I think, I think we... I felt when we got to half time at nil nil, I thought that okay, West Ham have done well actually to to still be in the game because we played really well, and I think a lot of the problems on the pitch now is just an anxiety that's coming down off the stands. I don't, I think what you're starting to see yeah. actually on the pitch now is good football, and and the confidence has got to build, and I think we as fans have got to instill confidence in those players because now they're they're giving us performances that we wanted to see, and we've got to back him now and give him our full support. And like Ruben never said, it felt like old Molyneux. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's still um, sections of, of the, the fan base that seem edgy and nervy when we're passing it around the back. And, you know, there was still a big chunk of negativity surrounding some of the play and, you know, screaming to get it forward and, and those kind of things. Stu, from your point of view, there's obviously a game plan in place to choke the opposition you know, possession-wise, and then carve out chances and limit the oppositions for other chances. And with Podence scoring, did you ever feel that we were going to risk conceding a la Villa? I, at no point in that game was I worried about conceding a goal, mm. which is amazing, really, considering how bad we've been. <laughs> um, but like Nate put up on, on Twitter at the, um, the start of last week about the, uh, the table since... Um, since the World Cup, hey, we've got more us and Forrester on the same points now. Um, after the four games played, so that defensive solidity has come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's confidence you can see. There's no way on earth they'd have been playing this way under under Bruno. Not a chance. When we tried it a few times, and it was shittery. Um, and from that point of view, for a change, I'll give the the, the stupid a kind of bit of a pass with it because. They've seen this be tried and failed multiple mm -hmm. times. And Collins has been one of the biggest. I mean, he did it at Everton in the whole first half. Yeah. Um, but you look at the difference between that performance yesterday against the first half at Everton and the passings, it's night and day. So yeah. if we've got the, the ability and the players that we clearly have got <laughs> that are ball playing players all a lot across the back line now, Jose saw, yeah, he did. He dropped one again, as is as is the way. We got away with it. Who cares? But Man City got what did one yesterday. No one talks about that because it's Man City. Just to do it so often. Um, but people just need to get over this stuff now that we're not playing in the eighties and nineties anymore. You don't have to just kick it long and, and chase mm. the ball. And I, I said it in in the group chat last night that the genuinely people. Thankfully, it's only a kind of a scattering of them rather than a, a big group. But there's genuinely people there who would rather we just boot the ball downfield and lose possession than try and pass to each other mm. because it's it's getting forward. It's fucking it's it's imbecilic. They're thick, and there's no but there's no point now trying to talk to them because they don't get it and they'll never get it. It's just one of them things. Mm -hmm. But I was really, I was really impressed with even after a couple went astray, fine, which is what's going to happen. 
the kind of the anxiety started. You could feel it. People started the grumbles would start, but they didn't. They didn't cave in, did they? They mm. kept doing it, and they kept doing it over and over again. And by the end, by the end of the game, when they were still doing it, all, all that kind of negativity and worry had seemed to have kind of dissipated a little bit. It was re- it was almost like they'd shut them up themselves. It, yeah, it, was, I think, re- it was really impressive. I think seeing a game plan executed on the on the pitch gives a lot of people a bit, you know, more to to be appreciative and, le- and less worried of and seeing it at home and you know a rare what feels like home win in the league as well is going to get people back on side going back to um going back to the goal i think it was gully who put on um twitter if that chance is going to fall to any player on the pitch you'd want it to go to pedench jafo do you do you think that's accurate bearing in mind goals have been at a premium and you know our "Quote unquote forwards or strikers haven't been, you know, banging the goals in. Is is that the perfect man for that chance to fall to? Yeah, I think so at the moment. Um, I mean, he's he's far and and ahead in the in the stats now with with goals and assists over the last twelve months, which is something we've really wanted from the guy. We, you know, to justify his price tag and justify his the way he plays football as well, because he he's someone who is very the way he does things, you know, with the back heels and with trying to be mm-hmm. tricky and neat. So to have that fall to him and in when he's in this vein of, vein of form, you know, you never had any doubt that it was going to at least t- really test the goalkeeper or hit the back of the net. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, you've got to take the rough with the smooth sometimes when it comes to kind of the trickery of the back heels. I dare say, I'm not going to use the word simulation, but some um, theatrical, um, reactions to fouls for Jansen. You know, he does like to wind up the opposition as well. And, you know, he's the kind of player that anybody, any of the other 19 teams probably hate. Were you loved because of those things? Or at least not when the fifth back heel goes astray, but better uh, better left unsaid about that. But going back to the game, before we go on to individual performances, the stats, you know, the possession-wise, it felt like Wolves definitely had more of the ball. I expected it actually to be more than uh, than the total possession of the game there. Uh, four shots on target matches, West Ham's four. Um, slightly more shots off target. Uh, the passing, though, that passing stat, 84%, Stu, going back to mm. what you mentioned, it just felt like a much more controlled and less panicky and anxious performance, didn't it? Yeah, I, I was waiting for you to drop the graphic and then me, me instantly tell you to put it back up again because that is exactly what I was talking about. That when was the last time a, a, a wall side had a passing accuracy like that and at the same time played that way? Mm-hmm. It's all well and good passing it amongst it yourselves at the back and just going from one side to the other. But trying balls, trying dangerous balls through the lines, we haven't had that for... We had it a bit under Nuno. Mm-hmm. But not that much, and it's it's brilliant to see. I know, I know it's got it all. It, it almost reminds me a little bit of. I remember the, the first few games under under Nuno when he took over, and the, it was five at the back, and it was different football, and it was it was kind of it wasn't counter attack. It was something else that we'd never seen before, and it took him a few months to kind of get on board, and then no one stopped. No one moaned anymore about it because we were winning. I think this is what's going to happen with this. This style, this style of playing, as soon as long as it gets results, mm-hmm. people are not going to moan. And yeah. there was the, the, there's the other side of it as well. That's clearly because of the fitness levels of the players. That, that how many subs he makes per game, and we had another <laughs> we had another plethora of, of rotation on, in this one. And it's clearly for a reason. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. doing it for a laugh. Um, and even even my own mom was saying, what, "What's he changing it for? Things are working." I went, "Well, they're probably knackered." That you can see from the from the little bras yeah. that they'll they'll have the data saying it in there, even if they don't look knackered. And we've got a game on Tuesday, so we've got we've actually got rotational options for a change. Yeah, that's so all. That's all the these little all these little things working together, and then having a passing accuracy like that, it's unbelievable stuff. Mm, agree completely, Joe. Well put. So let's uh, talk about a few individual performances then. Um, not everybody's favourite, it's safe to say. Bearing in mind, it's gone away, the whole Mexico saga, everything else. But Raul, he's getting fitter, getting sharper. And he was really unlucky to be uh, not on the score sheet with what I'm 
well, I think it's okay to say, not a dubious offside, but a very, very harsh offside. Jafo, from your point of view, Raul coming into form at this point in the season with the amount of games that we've got incoming can only be a positive if he starts to, you know, get in the score sheet and, you know, start to reclaim at least some of the form that he had before the injury. I think, I think you're right with that. I think we need to just see some consistency from him. And, and I think if the attitude and application can continue to, to to be there, like we've seen in the last couple of games, and especially yesterday, what we saw with, from him, which was a much better work rate than we've seen probably in the last six months. You know, it's, he's going to be useful to the team. You know, I've, I've said I'm not happy in the past about him in the build-up to the World Cup and the, and the way he went about things. But if he's now focused on the team and it helps us stay in the league, and if he gets five or six goals between now and the end of the season, if he stays here past January, then that could be vital in our fight for survival. And he's definitely something you can do that because that finish yesterday was um, was quality. You know, he, he was calm and it, it was it was Raul of a couple of years ago. We could, mm. we, you know, that that sort of talent that he has got. You know, he's he's not going to lose that, but it's just getting that back and getting that like five percent on top. You know, without using the cliche that you know that sharpness sort of thing. Now, Stu, you bring this on yourself, but Dean makes a good point here about uh, still on the fence if the flick off the defender classed as deliberate play at the ball for the Raul goal. His hold up play was much better yesterday. First down the tunnel again too. Um, you, for some bizarre reason, know the <laughs> rules inside and out. What, what were your thoughts? I mean, obviously there was a hellacious offside in the City Man United game. Ridiculous. Everybody, everybody, you know, knows that. But what was your thought on this decision? Initially, I thought the West Ham defenders headed that back there. Mm. At the time, without, without seeing a replay, I thought, well, he's headed that backwards, which if we're going off what happened at Anfield, then that is now a goal. Mm-hmm. Watching the replay on that today, it's just hitting me. <laughs> it is, it's, he's not in, it's, that's not any motion towards it. It's, that's not, there's, there's no, I know why people are doing it because I did it myself at first, but seeing it again, that's not, that's not a deliberate play of the ball. It's just hit his head. The ball's hit his head. That, that doesn't matter. Even, I think even last season, it wouldn't have mattered either. And he's mm. a good, he's a good foot offside. So um, the good thing about Raul, I thought when you first said then about two, probably best performance for two years. I think it's probably his best performance in Southampton away mm. last season when he when he scored his first goal again, and he looked completely on it that day. As soon as he, as soon as the, the ball went in, he was like a different player. But we never saw that again. And oh yeah, I don't know. Obviously, it was only a cameo. But when was the last time he even got in that position to be called offside? Mm. It's true. Going going back to the goal, and I guess this is where you're, you're talking about semantics now because, you know, he's deliberately there not knowing Raul's offside to get himself in the position to try and intercept. Is that not deliberate, him being there? The ball's ricocheted off him, nah. yeah, granted, but he's deliberately there to, to defend. Is that not nah. enough? No. Nah. No, nah, it's not. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a deliberate... I know deliberate play is the, the word of the weekend yet again for that nonsense at Old Trafford, but... No, nah, there's, there's not nowhere near enough. I think the fact that it's not even shown on the Premier League highlights, apparently, um, that it was just a, it was just a disallowed offside goal. It, it, it's not if what happened last week hadn't happened, no one would even be talking about this. And it's to not, be fair, that mm. was a wrong decision anyway. <laughs> it was it should have been offside. So either way, it's no. Is it is it I, not I, showed I, because it's corruption, Stu? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not buying into this conspiracy. <laughs> no, not this okay. one. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, going back to uh, up top, Cunha, uh, obviously, made a first start for Wolves. Um, no tequila, please. Hate tequila. Uh, but um, what were your thoughts, Jafo, on, on Cunha's first start? Obviously, he firmly cemented himself as uh, working towards being a fan favourite after his antics in the um, Forest penalty shootout. But actually on the field, what did you think of his um, performance? And is it promising going forward with him as another attacking option? Well, I think he's just built upon what he's done in the previous couple of games with his cameos. And it was warranted. And we knew it was, we knew it was going to come at some point. And what we saw yesterday was exactly everything that we've cried out for in a forward for the past probably 
18 months you know somebody who's willing to make runs who's, who's willing to be a you know movement moving to the channels and, and and to create space for everyone else because i think what we've what we've found in the past and and since Raul's injury um is that he's been very stationary in his positioning and and, and he hasn't um, moved around. So what we found is people like Pedence and Neto, when they're played, when they've been fit, is that they're coming to a lot of traffic through the middle. And when and because we've tried to play with inverted wingers in the past, they've they've struggled because um, you know the the striker isn't pulling the the defenders wide or isn't pulling a full back out of position. And that's exactly what Cunha's done yesterday again. And and we see more of that, and more of that, and that's how people like Pedence. Can now get goals, and and we'll see it with Twang as well, and we'll see it with with Neto when he comes back and he's fit. We'll see them get amongst the goals more, which is exactly what we need to try and spread that out and to try and have less reliance on one player. Mm. Does it concern you, Stu, that he's not an out and out striker, and it's maybe another winger slash, you know, not an out and out number nine? it would appear. Does that concern you all? Or are we, are, we, are we creating enough chances that it's just understood that the goals are going to come from all over the field? I still think we'll sign a striker anyway. <laughs> Unless Raul magically come, turns into his old self in the next week and a half, um, which is wishful thinking, even though what happened yesterday. Um, it's it's all, You're almost playing with a false nine, but the difference is he knows how to play that role by the looks mm. of it. Um and I think it's no surprise that Pedence has looked so much better in the last few weeks because you've got someone else running around as well. Um, still, his stupid little flicks when he knows no one else is running around is ridiculous. Um, so I'm not acknowledging it. <laughs> I'm not giving him that one. But as I said last week, the whole energy that he's brought to the place, he's mm -hmm. just give, he's give everything a lift. Obviously, or Diego up there done the same thing as well. But couldn't he's got this infectious personality about him? You can see that everyone's on board with it. And you get this every now and again with teams where a new player comes in and everyone else steps up. Everyone else starts doing the same thing that the new guy does. Mm -hmm. And you can see that already. And you can see that the movement of the movement was 10 times better yesterday than it has been for the rest of the season altogether. All mm -hmm. And that's something we've completely missed like you said there's been nothing there's been no, no move it's been so static you might as well just put a blanket over there as you're defending done but he's pulling people out of position we saw that in his on his debut he did it straight away after minutes he's just he's a cheerleader but he's got something about him as well there you go Dean Martin June up the North Bank in the first corner we won what more do you want he's, yeah. a, he's a he's a born showman and he's got the talent to back it up Jafo, what are your thoughts on, you know, the impact that not only Cunha, but the other signings are going to have on the overall, not morale, but well, morale and the, the you know, the team performance, most importantly, for 90 minutes every Saturday or Sunday afternoon? Well, I, I, can, I can only echo what Stu says about Cunha. He, he's got an infectious personality and, and you just watch the videos back. Um, you know, behind the scenes where people are smiling, people are happy. People, you know, people look like they're they're enjoy, enjoying being in, around the football club and going to training. But the key thing about the new guys coming in, especially the ones who are the midfielders like Lamina and, and, and Gomez, you know, they're going to create competition. Mm. So it's going to push Neves to play better. It's going to push Nunes to play better. Uh, you know, Moutinho will, will, will get less minutes, which is good for him, but it'll also be able to utilise him to impart all that knowledge that he's got through all the hundreds of games that he's played throughout his career into these younger guys. So we got two players for every position. We become a normal football club <laughs> as opposed yeah, to one that's run on the smallest squad in the league. But having rotation and be able to move players out is only going to be good because we're not going to burn players out and we're going to be able to play football to an intensity again and, and people are going to enjoy it. People are going to be able to watch the game and say, okay, yeah, we're not sitting back, we're not counter-attacking, we're taking it to teams. And I think that's refreshing and, you know, it makes people smile a little bit more at the games, which is good. I think yeah. it's... Go on, sorry. sorry. As you saying, on the, on the being a normal football club thing, I don't think it's any surprise whatsoever. Um, we're going to come on to him anyway, but you look at a week ago at Liverpool when I said that Lembikisa's performance was probably the best right-back performance of the season. 
now Samada's got genuine competition and he, he pulls out the best performance of his life in a wool shirt. It's uh, all you need is a bit of help. All, all you need is a bit of competition. And again, the belief. When was the last time he actually went forward other than that the the last game of the lockdown season against Man United when he scored? Mm. I can't think. I mean, that's this that yesterday was what we said, what we were hoping for all along. Yeah. This is why I've defended him for for two years because we know that he's got that in, in his locker, and finally yeah. it's come out. I think the, the the difficulty is, Stu, when it comes to Samado, is yeah that we all know that's there, but it's horribly inconsistent. In that you know we'll pull a performance out and the shenanigans like at Leicester on the Leicester game, and then he'll have a game like this. It's like a completely. It, it, I know obviously we we're under under new uh, old old management then. Um, but the performance yesterday, he's comfortably one of the best he's ever had in a wool shirt, Samado. Yeah, and you know, it's sadly it, he still has to convince a, 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 a you know smaller fan, you know, part of the fan base now. But what more could you have asked than yesterday? He was just everywhere he needed to be at all times. Jafo, talk me through. I'm sure more eloquently than I can. Samado's performance yesterday, far too, far too kind. But yeah, it was. Um... It was a beautiful, beautiful performance. You know, his energy levels were good. You know, he was brave. He was strong. And, and we saw through some of the previous games, I know he came, when he came off a couple of games ago for Johnny, we saw the immediate impact then. We could see, okay, he's starting to step away from Johnny now in in wanting to be this better player. And, and you know, Lembekis has played well. But the thing was with Samedo is the concentrations there, the ability there. And, and, and we're just starting to see some kind of, consistency like you say some consistency and some absolute tactical knowledge which has got to come from somewhere and it's got to come from Lopetegui it mm. and 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 if they coach him right they've you know he's gonna he's gonna justify the, the price tag because Barcelona I know they, they've not got great transfer history but they don't shell money out on a right back mm. like that if he's not very good and, and and I can safely say that Barcelona's coaches now are probably ain't even a shadow on what they used to have. So <laughs> that's probably the reason they've not been able to coach him and get and got rid of him. But if he can continue to play like that, he's going to be a crucial player and he will win the fans over. He will. And I think it's, it's we saw it yesterday. If that's 5% of them turn, turn towards him, next game 5%, we'll soon be there. I mean, mm. it helps a lot as well. That for a change he wasn't doing three people's jobs. That Collins was in his Collins was never caught out of position. Whoever was playing on the right beat Huang, beat Pedence, um in Cunha. There was tracking back. There's actual tactical work happening on the pitch. It was it was incredible to see. And everyone covering for each other. And you look at the thing we said at the start of the season, I think Gully said it. How can our fullbacks be so fucking unfit? And mm. Again, there you go. Sean Crow, the trend I notice his energy is a requirement for minutes under Lapategui. Exactly. And we had a thing where Aitnuri Nuri had to keep coming off last season because he was too he couldn't he couldn't manage 90 minutes. And that was last season, let alone this one. And you think, well, how has this been allowed to happen? Mm. And it was the same, it was the same on the right with Johnny coming on for Samaidam up until just a few weeks ago when their fitness levels have been so tragically shit that they couldn't even manage 90 minutes and they had to be conserving their energy. And when you think in the space of what, he's been here for two months, two and a bit months, this has all changed and now we're getting worldly performances out of people and out of the standards have been pulled up so drastically. Mm -hmm. I mean, what an absolutely awful job Bruno Lodge was doing here. <laughs> yeah, it's the longer time goes on, the more that that becomes apparent. And it's... You know, the fitness and the energy really felt that next degree for the West Ham game. It really felt like they just took that next level up in terms of, you know, being tenacious when they're winning the ball late into the game. You know, when the game got a little less um, finesse, let's say, and it just got, you know, as games do, they open up and it was going one end to the other, one end to the other. Really felt that, like, Wolves had that energy, that reserve, that second wind. And then, yeah... I hate, to, you know, I, I think we were all kind of poo-pooing the, the five subs thing when that came in. But actually, being able to, A, bring in these new players and, B, 
if we have to make a change and we can see the energy levels are flagging, Lopetegui's not afraid to make those substitutions and plenty of them. It seems to be, fingers crossed, it seems to be to be working. You talk about standards, Stu, a player that has unnaturally high standards usually uh, is Ruben Neves. And <laughs> we've, had to, we've had to put an 18, not suitable for those under 18 for this absolutely filthy 360 uh, turn that he did. But we laugh, but these are the kinds of things that you see that G up a crowd, aren't they, Jafo? That actually get the crowd ooing. I know it's awful, an awful way of describing it, but these are the kind of things that get the crowd going, aren't they? And then brings that feeling, like never said, about getting the old Molyneux back the way it used to be. Yeah, and no, I think that only comes with, with confidence. And I think seeing your captain do something like that, it just lifts everyone and and it's the sort of thing that we expect from him just something a little bit magical something with a little bit of sprinkle of stardust on top of it because that he is a star player at the end of the day we've not seen it for the past probably year you know he had a pretty poor world cup um but if he's back and that's what we like to see then it's fantastic and like you say it's great for the crowd you know if he hits a 40 yard ball straight over to Samado or straight over to Bueno or Aitnuri just these little instances and moments just lift everyone. And that, that little bit of lift that you, the crowd get, it's it's going to be that little small difference between us getting a point and three in a few games. Like you can kind of see, you can, and, and when, like I say about at the start, about wanting to get people on side and getting rid of that anxiety, I think that'll come. And I, th- I think Dean's put it perfectly. He was at his imperious best. He was an absolute animal and machine yesterday and the fitness levels we're talking about a minute ago are starting to come back and that's exactly what I wanted to say and, mm. and you mentioned that that near goal as well which I'll, I'll let you talk about Stu because it's beautiful well I'll, I'll put it what well, in the internet we've got a controversial tweet about how no he was <laughs> he was he was indispensable at one point and now you could quite easily replace him and not have a team featuring him at all if all the players who we were link, being linked with come in. And we've got midfield options for the first time in, well, since Alfred and Doyle left. Um, obviously, different levels before you come at me. Um, but I think exactly what we've, the theme of the show, the competition, look what competition does to people. And to have the confidence to do something like that in, let's be fair, still in relegation places at the time, You'd never have seen that a month ago. You would never have seen that at any point this season, the way it's it's transpired. But for him to be pulling shots out like that, that was inches from being another one to his worldy collection, rather than being blazed over or wide. And you think, yeah, there's the difference. There's, there's the player that we've had that at one point we was talking about, oh, he's going to go to a Man City or a Liverpool where... He's stagnated and he's probably Europa League, like we are. I know. Um, and that's probably still why he's here. <laughs> well, he's, he, he's here in 2023 and not somewhere else, even with 18 months left on his contract. And there'll be no real bids and talk, even though he said he's good boys in the summer. So if Lopetegui, I mean, you could see the embrace in the in the first video that when he walked through the door, it was like <laughs> Like the that Ian Wright one with his, his school teacher when he's crying and he, when he thought he was dead, yeah. it's, it was it was almost like that. But you think, well, if he if he can bring this out of him, and they obviously trusted him to give him his debut in the Champions League at that age, maybe he does sign a new deal, and maybe we actually do have rotational options. We don't have to flog these players to death every week, and they can actually play their best football of their careers rather than being starved. And I thought he was. If it weren't for Semedo, Neves was, would have probably been man of the match, probably closely followed by Collins. Agreed. I think Collins had a great game. We'll come on to him very shortly. Uh, never realised that Eminem was talking until today. I thought <laughs> Stu looks more like Enzo from um, Assassin's Creed. Which, <laughs> speaking of computer game characters and a very uh, good segue, if I do say so myself, Super Mario, uh, Lamina. Uh, yesterday, obviously made a debut for us. Um, Matt Hobbs uh, had come out and said, he's a player we've admired for a while. We're pleased uh, Julian had the same belief in Mario that we had. Um, obviously, it was a cameo. 
not a lot can be said in terms of um, anything, you know, more than that. However, Jafar, he was he was everywhere, wasn't he? He looked tenacious and he made a crucial tackle that are now uh, allowed that Neves piece of filth as well. Yeah, he was very, very good. You know, he, the one thing about Lamina, and I think what's clever what they've done with, with, with bringing him in is, is he's got a lot of Premier League experience. He's played for Southampton, he played for Fulham. And he's in that sort of price bracket that Fergie used to love buying players in, that sort of like mm. eight to ten million pound price bracket. And if you get them right, they become crucial players in the squad. And I, th- I think we've seen it straight away. He's going to be a crucial player to rotate into that midfield. I mean, checking back, I've watched his um, interview after the game earlier today, and he said that the club have been tracking him for four years, and, and it, it's a club he's really wanted to come to. So it seems like he's really buying into what we want to do as mm-hmm. a football club. And I think we said it a few weeks ago that it feels like the project's back. And I think that kind of vibe is we're getting that with the, with the signings as well. And I think Lamina saying stuff like that and making the right noises is, is the right thing because as we talk about bringing in players who are going to bring in confidence to mm. come and do that on the pitch. And he's not even trained with that, with, with the players yet. And he's come on and put on that sort of performance is uh, remarkable, really. Yeah. 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 Well said. Well said. Stu, go on, have the last word on, uh, on Lamina before we talk about just a few other honourable mentions. He, he was always one of them players where you, you, whenever you watch, like whenever you watch, not so much Fulham, but more Southampton, whenever you'd see Southampton, especially at that time as well, and you think, where do they find these people from? Why can't we have these? Like like McAllister at Brighton and things like that. So why can't we have proper, like cheap players that are actually good? And he always seemed to have a bit of like arrogance and cockiness about him, and he used to wander off. And obviously he's matured and he's older now. And we've the whole, I presume the, the no dickheads rule still applies at the club, because why wouldn't he? Um Castro side. Um, but even him, good person, as it, as it seems. If, if Lamina's exactly like that and he sorted himself out, which you look at his numbers on FB ref for last season and whatever, he's a, a defensive midfield destroyer, which we haven't had really for a while. He's like what Dendonka always promised to be, but never will be because he's awful. And again, competition, cheap competition. If Bubakar Troyer is going to be out for a significant amount of time, probably the whole season, then we needed someone like that. And when mm. he comes back, he's got someone to learn from. And so it's it's a no, it's a, it's a brilliant sign. It's a, it's no brainer all round. And if if he could do that in a cameo, I can't wait to see what he does in a full game, especially with the talent yeah. around him as well. Yeah, exactly. No, well said. Um, just to, before we go to uh, a break and uh, just uh, comprise ourselves to talk about the uh, the replay that no one wants against Liverpool and um, look about possible incomings and Twitter corner. Um, any honourable mentions from yesterday's game? For, for me, I wanted to just... A vindication, I guess, for Collins. I think, once again, he was pretty excellent yesterday. And I think some of the criticisms of him, especially for a player who is so young still, um, have been a little harsh. Um, Jafo, from your point of view, how did you feel Collins performed yesterday? And is he, is there redemption for some of the errors that he made maybe three or four games ago? Yeah, I think it was a near, near perfect performance. I think the, the, the only sort of incident people could even look at was when I think there was a point in the second half when he held onto the ball a little bit too long. But I think I would probably say Joe was a Sars fault because he should have come and wiped everyone out. And a couple of times I thought Sars was, was the issue at the back uh, with being a bit too conservative. But other than that, that him and Kilman just... They were just... I think you said it at the start, Stu, they were just imperious. They won everything in the air again. Antonio... Looked looked like looked, looked like a small child in that game. You know, he, he was bullied <laughs> for ninety minutes, and, and you, you don't think you wouldn't you wouldn't have seen that before when we you know you talk about likes of Conor Cody and that in the past where they've been bullied by Mitrovic and San Antonio himself. So it's 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 refreshing. I think a lot of people need to realise how young he is. You know, last season was his first full season in the Premier League and first full season as a senior pro. So. And people need to need to get real with him and and realise if that's what a guy's doing and then he ain't even played a full season in the league yet, then fuck me, we've got a good player. Tenth mm. of November, I'll put this in the group chat. When certain people, Dan, 
was slagging him off. Um, as it fast forward to February and Collins and Kilman will be prime Maldini Nesta. You look at that performance yesterday, and all it needs is confidence. All it needs is confidence and belief. And and someone like Hugo Bueno, who has been who has been cloned from some kind of Dennis Irwin chamber, who is ridiculous. I mean, how is he so young? We don't even need to talk about him. He's just so he's like he's like the left left hand side Kevin Fowley. He's just he's at least seven out of ten every week. You don't mm. have to think about him anymore. You just put him in. He just does his thing. He's fine. No, no issues whatsoever. It's 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 unreal. And the, the whole back line was, like I said, I never it never crossed my mind that we were actually going to concede, even with all the pissing about and wherever and a few mistakes. We haven't felt that for a while, and not even singling any of them out. I thought the whole back line was superb. Mm. Um, even you know, even Huang, but he he ran, he ran his little socks off again. Does he, he's, he's never going to get any praise because he he doesn't really do much. Um, but he did offer cover when needed, and um, yeah, it, it was it's nice yeah. to be it's nice to be able to try and think of someone who didn't deserve praise for a change rather than the other way around. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I agree. Well put. Okay, after that, um, after that glowing uh, review, Stu, I think it's time we uh, take a break. So when we're going to come back. We're going to talk about possible incomings, the replay against uh, Liverpool midweek and a little bit of Twitter corner, which you've got, ooh, I reckon you've got about a minute to go quickly, grab yourself a drink and then we will be back. Hi all. Gully from Wolves Fancast here, and just like all of you long-suffering Wolves fans, I know exactly what it feels like to be lacking a creative spark here, some outside-of-the-box thinking there, but our sponsors Pixel Yeti Media are here to help. They're a creative agency that cover all of your web design, branding and marketing needs, with our very own WolvesFancast.com, a fine example of their work. So much so that I hear Jeff Shee is looking to do a deal this summer. For now, it's back to the team to ask just where the Diogo Jota money is gone. We might have just had our answer. Welcome back to Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Network. So, we have a... Uh, it feels unbelievable to say, we've got more incomings and we know what to do with, potentially, and we've had the here we go from uh, who else. We only need a Percy Bomb now to really seal the deal and make everybody um you know do backwards flips um with anticipation it's been a couple of um kind of it's done there we're just waiting for them to um you know do the pre-game or the pre uh or you know the compton park clips and everything else um and then dawson obviously in the middle there so we've got uh joe gomez and uh, paolo sarabia are pretty much done deals at the moment. And then obviously Dawson, um, again, inconspicuous or uh, damning in his absence yesterday, not playing for West Ham. Talk us through, Jafo, what you feel about the two, the done deals that we uh, that we know are pretty much over the line, Sarabia and, um, and Gomez, what that brings and how excited are you about two you know, especially in Sarabia, that everyone's talking about this ridiculous fee. This is like the <laughs> Matinio, the Matinio signing all over again. No yeah. one can quite believe. Every, shouts are going to be coming out about um, getting us investigated for fraud or any or things of that nature. I mean, that's that that's a that was a he's a real coup when that comes over the line. Hundred percent. I think you put it put it really well. Um, he's very very cheap for someone who had as many goal involvements as he did in. The uh, Liga de Portugal last year, you know, he got twenty odd goals and uh, over ten assists in the league last season in Portugal. I know he's on loan at Sporting, and and he hasn't done. He didn't. He was. He's never really fitted in that world, PSG. But I mean, he's had to compete with the likes of Angel Di Maria. Now he's second choice to Lionel Messi. I mean, it's different levels to this game, and. You know, he, he's a player that everyone's going to be excited about because he scores goals and because he has that ability to come in through the centre. And that's something that we've really 
been screaming out for. And I know a lot of fans have really been saying, oh, we want somebody to play in that hole and, and be able to occupy the middle of that space and unlock defences. And he's somebody who can do that. And he's seems to have the right attitude. Um, and, this, and the scouting that's going into these sort of players is brilliant now. And with Joe Gomez, it seems like they're finally tapping into a market that, you know, we've, we've never looked into before with the South American players. Brighton have obviously done really well with it, in, with, with McAllister and, and you know, Real Madrid have, and, and clubs like that have always done really well. I mean, they've always played it, paid over the odds with the likes of Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. But they've always done really well. And it's it's something that we, we, we thought we were going to tap into in the summer with Enzo Fernandez. Um, and there kind of was a bit of reluctance in the end. But from what I can see, I've never, I don't know a massive amount about Joe Gomez, but from what, just in, just from looking at a few videos, is he has this sort of raw pit bull nature that mm. you get from Brazilian CDMs, you know, a la Gilberto Silva at Arsenal, someone who's going to get stuck in and, and isn't afraid to play dirty football. And I think you said it well earlier, Stuart, is this is the sort of players we haven't had since Alfred and Dye. And, you say he's not as good as, and that's that's the case. But it's having horses for courses, and these are the the right sort of players for when you play these games where you need to have a little bit more grit, a little bit more determination, and and breaking teams down, and and, and having that ability to say, okay, I'm going to take the yellow card now, or I'm, I'm going to mm. kick this guy now. And I think Neves and Moutinho are fantastic. That you know they're they're the aperitif to go with the meal. Now this is like. Having having the cutlery to actually eat it with, and having the plates, sort of thing. I don't know, it's a bit of a weird. Um, no, no, not not but, at all. Yeah. So you, you're right in what you say because it was it's it's funny because we talk about having like Mateus, for example, and 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 Gomez. It it might be that this is a shop window move for him, and then that move moves. You know, he has another move in a year or two's time. And if we are the amuse bouche for that 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 bigger move, then then so be it. But Stu, from from your point of view, getting these signings in now can only be a positive in terms of getting us because we are still one win doesn't change this a relegation battle. We aren't not anymore. <laughs> Come on, I'll, I'll say this the way: by February, we by March, say. We'll be we'll be laughing in the face of relegation. We'll be we'll be comfortably in the table by then. No doubt about it. Like Villa, Villa are fine. Um, but hmm. you say that, Stu. But I think yeah, I, so, I think so. Like, look at a team like look at a team like Leicester, who at one point you know they had their troubles. They won, they yeah, but... rocketed up the table. The World Cup, the World Cup comes around, and now they're bottom of this. All of a sudden, I've seen all over Twitter today this mini league after the World Cup. They're like rock bottom of it. They're well, you know. They are, but if you look at their, perfor their performances, the results got better than the performances in the games that I saw before the World Cup. There were no great shakes at all. And then you think, well, that team has aged really badly. It's also us in the 80s, obviously before we were all born, even Andy. Um, the, the team aged together and there was no investment to kind of re to keep that age level down. You look at Vardy, he looks completely spent for, so they've got no one up front anymore. Whereas you look at us... And you think, well, we're, we're a team reborn. We've got players coming coming out of our ears. We might as well put a turnstile on the door. The amount of coming in through in from elsewhere, and then you know, just to talk about um, Joe Gomez. I've never seen him play. No, you know, from reputation, from people like Tim Vickery and like Talk Sports and whatever. But the reaction of South American journalists. I mean, they were wanking themselves silly over the fact that he was coming to the Premier League. And you think, well. If we can put if we can pull off a signing like that, and apparently there's no sell-on clause for fifteen million quid, you think, well, that's some that's some kind of genius. If we are going to be a stepping stone, which is fine because that's what we are at the minute. We probably that's our level, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, you you're not going to get these players any other way, are you? And it kind of poo-poo's the whole nonsense of. Criminal sellers say, "Oh, there's no value. It's hard to do deals in January." Well, it clearly isn't, is it? You just you just go mm. out there, you get people you want, you pay the money for it. You don't piss about. You just do you do your job properly and get them in. 
And if we get in, I mean, with a week and a bit to go, and we're not all there sweating on the, the, the latest under 21 kid who's just got to, who will disappear into obscurity, who we still on deadline day like we used to all the time. It's like we've got a, we, like Jeff said earlier, it's like almost like we're a proper sensible football club at last. Mm. Well, speaking of what is probably a sensible signing as opposed to a signing to, um, you know, go mad about. The Craig Dawson signing, where, Stu, in my head, you being you, <laughs> this seems like the most you signing possible. What are your thoughts on on this? You know, is Totti looking at this and going, mm, I've took one step back in the pecking order now, if, um, if Dawson's coming in, or is this a, is this a, a means to just bolster numbers? Well, you'd think Mascara will finally leave. Wouldn't you? Um, I feel sorry for him, you know, because he, he came in with a lot of promise, got that injury and never recovered. Um, and it threw no, no real fault of his own. And who knows what could have happened if he stayed fit. But we can't just have one defender mm. on the bench. <laughs> so, again, it's competition for places. If we're going to switch to a back five all the time, it only takes one injury, then we can't do that anymore. So, if, and I know we'll talk about it in a bit, if we do get through it against Liverpool and we do get something against Brighton and then we go on a bit of a run. We've got more games to play and the season's still is still kind of pushed together. I mean, we're still not even halfway through the season and it's in the mm. end of January. So it's a lot of games in a short amount of time and Dawson's going to come in. He's going to be, I think someone said the other day that he's very Mike Williamson, which is the perfect analogy for this, where he came in, did the job that he was there for a couple of years in that time, Kilman and Collins, they're a bit older, they're a bit wiser, more game experience. We won't need someone like that. And then you can bring someone else younger in mm. and the circle of life. But the, the funny story, there was, a, there was a woman, a West Ham fan sitting in the Emerald Club before the game who had Mrs. Dawson on the back of her shirt. Mm. And you think, well, I know that we've seen Mrs. Grealish and stuff on Twitter and whatever, but Mrs. Dawson's a bit of a stretch. And she wasn't, she was no relations. She just loves him. Like, loved, like me and Mo Kamara kind of levels. Right. And she was absolutely fucking heartbroken. She was gutted. <laughs> like yeah, everyone was asking yeah. her. So, I mean, you're sitting there in a, in a Wolves club and you think, well, you're going to get asked questions. And wearing that, and she was just saying, well, he's my favourite player of all time and all this stuff. He's just solid and he's a nice guy and whatever. Fits the remit perfectly, do it. So mm. if we can finally get him over the line, and he clearly wants to come back to the Midlands, like was said in the summer. Then it just works for everyone, I think. And I think Totty's Totty doesn't seem ready, even though he puts he's put in a good few good performances. He still seems to me like he needs a loan, like a proper mm. season on loan. If if Dawson comes in, then maybe he can have that. Maybe. Maybe. Well, moving on to uh midweek, uh the FA Cup replay against Liverpool, uh, obviously Liverpool in horrendous run of form at the moment. Uh, you absolutely love to see it. Um, they, I mean, before the Brighton game, which uh, they lost, I could have seen them taking this relatively seriously. I think that you know it's a cup competition, probably their only, well, pretty much their only chance of playing European football. But they need to get their league affairs back in order. Jafo, from your point of view. From a purely Liverpool point of view, do you think they'll come with a with a strong side? Or are they going to do a Villa like they did a season or two ago, where they literally put the kids out and um, and, and and you know just try and just not get a fine <laughs> for for fielding such an awful side? I I, I think I think Klopp's uh, set his stall out with the with with the first game. I think he will go full strength. He has to, and I think you said it exactly there. It's their only chance of European football. The most damning thing that could happen to you, to Liverpool Football Club this season would be not to have European football next year. Mm. With all the good work that Klopp's done over the past four or five years, would go out of the window. You know, and they and they are desperate for a rebuild. You know, they've got a very old squad. You know, Jordan Henderson's in there. He he's, he seems to have played for like 10, 15 years. I mean, they've got to change. So. I can't see them not taking it seriously, uh, and even in, even if they just got Europa League football next year, next season, that's still something. Is still a, a ability to to get players in and sign players in the summer, and if they have nothing, 
and they they need to replace their captain. They need to probably bring in a, 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 maybe a, another striker, maybe another winger if Mo Salah goes. Because Mo Salah ain't going to stick around if he's got no Champions League football. Mm. And Mr Nunes, he, he, he looks all right up front, but he's not exactly pulling up trees. And, and Cody Gakpo, you know, he's, he's still raw. They're not going to be able to do what they've done to Man City over the last couple of years. And they do seem to have run out of energy and run out of ability to press and chase games. They seem to be chasing shadows a lot now. And yeah, and they need to take things... Like I say, they need to take it really seriously because they've got to develop and rebuild next season. Stu, I mean, Lopetegui kind of set his stall out himself with the Forest lineup, had made changes. I mean, he obviously wasn't Mick McCarthy and Man United with George Friend you know, being on or anything like that. Um, but do you think that this, you know, will be resting some of your key absolute first team as ahead of a trip to, to City on the Sunday following? Do you think this will be a much-changed squad and we'll get the opportunity for Totti to get minutes? Eight Nuri as a start, you know, bring some of these players in, maybe give, I dare say... Like even Chem Campbell, who made the bench, do you think like we're going to see wholesale changes for this game? I don't think it'll be wholesale. I think it doesn't really need to be anymore. Like we, like we said about having having the five subs, and you look at when when players were taken off yesterday. So you you imagine Bueno will be saved, um, even though we came off. Um, you think Johnny will play there? I look like new, like you said, he'll start on the left. Um, Hopefully, we'll have. I mean, I think we're playing role there. He's still clearly not going to be fit enough, is he? So, do you want to burn Cunha out so early? I wouldn't have thought so. Um, but I don't think I don't think it's going to be as weak on paper as it seemed at Anfield. I think it'll probably mm. be a bit stronger than that. Um, I'd imagine Collins will probably be the one to miss out this time with Kilman going over to the. Like he did at Forest, where in the second half when Kilman was on the on the right and he played much better than he did on the left again, which is a strange phenomenon. Um, I think he'll that's what he'll go for. Um, Lembicki, Samado, it's a toss up at this point. You, depends what who you'd imagine Samado is guaranteed to start against Man City after that performance yesterday. So mm. I, I wouldn't be against playing Lembicki, Um but then you have got the enigma that is Adama Traore. Hmm. Um, but do you give Lamina a go? Do you give Hodge a go? Oh, there you go. Um, Hodge a go. He didn't get any minutes at the weekend at all. So it's just nice to have options. And I don't think any one, any one scenario is going to be worse than the other because of the immense of subs mm. and the fact that he's willing to do it. Um, so if, if we started like we did in the first game, I wouldn't be mad about it at all, really. Because... Mm. Um, you could always you could always bring on a man and I know people will say yeah Man City's a free hit and whatever, but is it is it a free I hit? Think, the, I don't think it the, is anymore. There like, is the vulnerable. There is vulnerable now is when we beat them up there when Adama played well. Uh, uh, two days after after flying back from Turkey as well, mm. we still went up there and did them. So that this game's more an, important. This is an interesting one. Play Sar or Sarkic. It's it's, it's a funny one, this, isn't it? I don't think it matters. They're both they're both in tetchy kind of waters. They're not. Mm. Neither of them are at the top of the game. Uh, it looked it looked for all the world that Saw had got back to his best again, for um, especially at Everton, and then all of a sudden his kicking's gone to pot again, and it's all it all seems a bit nervy out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I think I'll, we we talked about it in the in the group chat so that I think a goalkeeper will be um, a priority in the summer, regardless of what happens. Because you can't. Ha- Sarkic has not progressed. And he's not really got it with limited minutes, and I wouldn't mind Kelleher at all uh, if mm. Liverpool were open to selling him. But yeah, at, at, at this point, I don't think there's much difference between the two of them, which is mm. quite sad, really. Potentially, potentially. Well, stay tuned, obviously, to the Wolves Fancast Twitter page for all the updates going up to the game. And obviously, we'll have a post-game podcast and uh, YouTube live show um, discussing that as well. So, to round off this uh, Sunday evening, 
we'll talk uh, Twitter corner. Thank you everybody for getting in touch uh, for Twitter corner. A few uh, questions to go through. So Jafo, last time we had a clear two goal lead, a clear two goal lead in a Premier League match was the 22nd of April, 2022 versus Villa. When will the next one be? Don't think my nerves can take it much longer. That's uh, from Hobbit Rob. Do we think we're going to have that mix again of clean sheets and goals in one game anytime soon? <laughs> I mean, it's it's coming, isn't it? Like I said at the start. Southampton, it's, it's coming it's, up soon. It's, yeah, it's all about um, getting rid of that anxiety from the stands. As soon as that starts to go, we'll we'll we'll, we'll start leading games and we'll we'll start be being in a position where we can get a couple of goals and and, and everything becomes a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, like you said, we've got Southampton coming up uh, after the Liverpool game uh, in the league. Uh, we've also got Bournemouth as well. I think if we look at these two fixtures, these are the ones where I think Lopetegui will truly look to cement what he's do, done and and these will be the ones that pull us out at the bottom, assuming we, we play as well as we could. So I, I think we've got a good series of games coming up and I think what Stu said could be right. We could be clear and have a little buffer by the time March comes around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely Absolutely. these three games I target the Fulham, Southampton, and Bournemouth. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So you mentioned um, Stu a little, only mere moments ago, but uh, Staff's uh, underscore Chris85 has so quietly gone under the radar this season as a bit of a liability. Is liability strong or is he just performing slightly lower than his ridiculously high standards? I think the fact that. The morons in charge played him with one hand for the first half of the season. Kind of doesn't help, does it really? And mm-hmm. regardless of him saying, "Yeah, it was only it was only a, a fracture or wherever it was," you can't have a goalkeeper with a fractured hand. It's fucking stupid. It doesn't. It's he's clearly not going to be at his best. Is he? He's clearly it's going to be in his mind, even if his hands taped up, which you'd imagine it is like a boxer. <laughs> at that point, Sarkic should have been playing. Mm. And he should have been left alone to just rest and recuperate. You'd imagine now, now we've got actual proper doctors and not a criminal in charge, that in the medical department, um, that you'd think, well, if there's an issue, he won't play. So I think from a, because he seems hesitant to come for balls as well, which is his, his main point of being here over mm-hmm. Rui leaving a couple of years ago. So, he needs to book his ideas up, but I don't think it's all his fault. Um, mm. I know the goalkeeping uh, department's exactly the same, but the medical's not, and I think that's the big problem here. And I think he, he, he either needs a run of games, or he just needs one of them where, I mean, a clean sheet might do the world good, because we, we, it's, it's a miracle in itself that it's actually happened at last. But yeah. just something as sim- simple as that, and something for him to not kick the ball to someone else, to one of their players in one game, just so if he gets through a game without doing that, maybe that's all he needs. But yeah, last season was exactly where I said he'd be when he came in because that's when we watched him against us and um, well, in the Europa League. And I think this season he's been blighted by a shit team, no defenders in front of him, and a broken hand, which doesn't help us. Well, it? when you put it like that, <laughs> um, I'm going to fire one straight back to you, Stu, only because you mentioned it earlier. And uh, John Alfred Davies, Ings. You mentioned we're still going to bring a striker in. Do you think that one has a potential um, to uh, to go through? I love him here. He, he fits the bill perfectly. He's got a bit about him. He seems like a thoroughly nice chap, which is obviously another tick box for the club, um, especially with the thing that he did with the um, with the kid with the headphones at Villa Park. Um, mm-hmm. That was a great touch. But he's got that he's got that nasty streak about him, which none of our strikers have got, other than mm-hmm. Diego Costa. Who's we don't know where he is. Um, if we can get Ings for what 12, 14 million, something like that, with 18 months left on his contract, I think it is. Yeah, I'd be all over that all day long, even at 30 years old. Proven yeah. Premier League striker, bit of a battering ram, but he's good as well with his feet. Yeah, but get him in all day long. Okay, fair, fair. Jafo. I'm going to skip the um, the Powell, Andrew Powell question. Thank you for getting in touch, but I think that's probably one um, that we uh, have a bit closer towards the transfer window when we know a little bit more. So, um, <laughs> Davey Hot wants to know, is there anything better in the league than hearing the Everton boos 
And I thought uh, protest banners were supposed to be short, sharp, and to the point. So why have they put essays on there? Um, what I mean, what's going on at Everton? It really is just unbelievable. And especially the scenes yesterday with them chasing players down the street, not letting <laughs> letting them leave. I mean, we think we've had it toxic at Wolves sometimes. Jafo, what's going on at Everton? Talk me through it. It's it's a it's a shambles, isn't it? It's, it the fans are just pathetic. It's a it's, it's a joke of, of of how they're treating their own players and and to and to grab a woman round and put her in a headlock and act in <laughs> such a disgraceful way is criminal. It's fucking criminal. I I, I don't even belittle all that fucking stuff by joking about saying that they're playing Doctor Seuss with their fucking banners and. Bullshit. But at the end of the day, they're boarded on themselves. They're boarding a shit manager, Frank Lampard, who is a fucking shit man. He's shit at Derby. That was the best team they had in 10 years, and he couldn't even fucking take them up. He's wank. They've wasted money on bullshit players. They've sent players away, bought them back. They've just thrown money at it for the sake of nothing because Mishiri doesn't know fuck all about football and Bill Kenwright's a fucking dinosaur. So they've only fucking boarded on themselves. So fuck Everton. I hope they get relegated <laughs> and never fucking come back. Oh, no. Whoa. Whoa. I don't think, think Jafar's ever been this out now. Right. Oh, he's there for, right. for the right at home. Um, right, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, thanks uh, to everybody for Twitter Corner. We're, um, we are fast running out of time uh, for today's episode to allow everybody those precious eight hours. Thank you, everybody, for um, getting in touch uh, with us for Twitter Corner. Thank you for everybody who has been in touch on the live stream as well. Really do like to get through as many of your comments as possible. Uh, especially if they abused you, it's even better. Um, thank you very much to our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media and to 90 Min Network for hosting us. Uh, make sure you are following at Wolves Fancast on the socials for all your up-to-date news. Ring that bell so you can get up-to-date notifications also as well uh, on a match day. And uh, thank you very much just for being uh, a part of uh, or letting us be a part of your week and listening to us. It really is appreciated. We'd um, very much like for that to continue. So any feedback is, of course, welcome. But for this evening, Jafo, if you'd like to say goodbye. Yeah, good night, Wolfson. Big love. Peace, everyone. <laughs> Steve, if you'd like to say goodbye. Peace apart from unless you support Everton. Um, yeah, if you if you watch this live, then there's something dropping in your uh, in your podcast feeds tomorrow, or you listen to it tomorrow, and you need something else to listen to. There's um, there's a certain other podcast that we might feature on that's got a review of the best five films of 2022. If you want to plug that, much. <laughs> yes, at uh, Cage Fighting Pod uh, on the socials to get me uh, Eminem, Stu uh, Hall, <laughs> and uh, Andy uh, loves Korean films. Gillard. Uh, also, <laughs> do you like a little bit of a change of pace and like hearing our dulcet tones uh, at Cage Fighting Pod as well? But uh, for now. Peace, Wolves fans. Hopefully we can sleep a little bit more uh, soundly in our beds knowing that we are three points better off. But for now, take it easy, look after yourselves and have a great week. <laughs> Who would be a Wolves fan, eh?